Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Happy Tuesday to you and uh, to yours. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The uh, email is Pete at the Pete show.com. Uh Also on Twitter at Pete Callender, which is where we do uh, a lot of the trolling uh, wet work. You know, we uh, we knife people. Uh, yes, we we engage in some Saul Alinsky type tactics with political adversaries, as it were. It's all in good fun and sport while, you know, solving the world's problems, because that's what we are all about. Um, I was not aware, but I feel like this was predictable. Um, it is apparently very tough to be the top commie. That's a tough gig. And I guess it makes a, it makes some sense, right? You're in charge of, like, literally everything. You're, you've got an entire economy to command and control, right? You've got you to assign people to all these different tasks. You've got to be smarter than literally everybody else in your nation because you have to be able to, uh, uh, to direct the market forces where people would send those signals through their own voluntary choices, you know, what they're buying at any given moment, what they're willing to pay for that product or service at any given moment, because all of that changes, you know, a, a chainsaw right now is going to be way cheaper than a chainsaw, you know, in a hurricane zone after the storm, right? So if you're the top communist and you're running the economy, you have to know all of these market signals, which you would think then that these commies would generally be economists. Now, I'm not saying that no commies are economists, obviously. I mean, hello, Paul Krugman. That's Anyway, sorry. I kid, I kid, Krugman or Krugman, whatever. Um, no, I feel, no, this is about Winnie the Pooh. Um, I'm starting to feel bad for President Pooh. Not Putin. That's... That's not, like, he's not, uh, like, he's more of the kleptocracy. You know, he's like a thug. He's not, he's not all the way command control. He's not full communist. Because you never go, I mean, that, well, I mean, the Soviets, they knew this. A former KGB guy as he is. Like, you should know, you never go full commie. But he did, but they did, and then they collapsed. Anyway, so now he's in charge. But that's Putin. And that's not full Pooh, right? Winnie the Pooh. Xi Jinping. President of China. And I call him Winnie the Pooh, President Pooh, um, because he hates it. I mean, he hates it so much. He puts people in jail. Uh, he's a communist, so, you know, of course he's going to jail his adversaries, much like, you know, the DOJ and Biden. I kid! I kid Biden. I just It's just a joke. Anyway, as the top commie, uh, when you take control over, like, you know, everything in a society, 
the the downside i mean yes you do have all of the control and you've got you know all of the money and then as i understand it then you get the sugar uh and then you get the uh, the power and then you get the women i think is how that goes anyway he is um he's in charge of everything he's got all this power the downside is that the buck stops with him right because he has spent so much time and effort uh getting control over everything that he could that everybody knows he's the president he's the guy in charge well when you've got the worst deflation in decades uh you've got uh, mounting geopolitical threats and on top of that you have a seven trillion dollar stock route that might cause him some headaches some some headaches for poo right the nation's most powerful leader since Mao is overseeing an economy that in recent years has lurched from one crisis to another, unable to shake fears of a slowdown in growth. Bloomberg reports battered equity markets have become the most acute symbol of crushed confidence within the world's second largest economy. In recent weeks, the market capitalization of China's stocks has plunged to near four-year lows amid slumping valuations. I'm just moving past this stuff. I mean, it's this. I'm not going to go through all of the stock market stuff, but the key here is that President Pu seems to be getting personally involved in the rescue efforts. I mean, he's got to be seen like he's doing something, right? Beijing surely wants to project a sense of control of the situation as it tries to convince investors to regain their confidence. Which, when I read that sentence, knowing what I know about commies, um, that's concerning. Because when communists start trying to convince you of stuff, usually a whole lot of people die. I'm not sure if you're aware of this history. Like, millions of people die. When communists start trying to convince you of things that either are not true or you refuse to believe are true, either way, a lot of death. Lots of people get killed. So uh, Bloomberg says that this is a difficult feat to pull off, especially given some of the piecemeal measures to boost sentiment so far, like trade restrictions, curbs on short selling. Right? They have not fixed the problem. It also goes for all the steps that the policymakers have been taking, which is the Communist Party, right? They've been taking to boost the broader economy, whether in the form of policy rate cuts or monetary easing or fiscal stimulus it's all a sign of how deep china's economic woes run particularly in the beleaguered property sector here's the key have you seen what china is doing now remember we would see all these videos years ago of how fast china can build a building right and part of that is a psyop like you know, look at us, we're superior to America, we can build a building in a day, you know. Um, or uh, you, you've seen all of the cities that they built, right? They would just build these massive cities. Of course, they were building the cities because it, they were jobs programs. Like, they had to keep people employed. you got a billion people in your country, right? You, like, a, 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 a an unemployment rate of 10%. I mean, that's revolution, you know? Like, there, that's a lot of people that are going to be out of work and hungry and upset. So 
Uh, they were building these cities as jobs programs and the like. I remember watching uh, documentaries about malls. They would build these malls and there would be like one store open in the entire mall. And it was selling, well, stuff made in China. So, I mean, yeah, I couldn't see that coming, I guess. But anyway, the, these these malls and these cities and these buildings, China is now blowing them up. They're now demolishing these things. And not well, I might add. They're demolishing them and they're falling into other buildings. Not on, and not on purpose. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. You move all of the construction workers into demo, into the demolition industry. I don't know. Again, see, these are the problems when you're the top commie. It's tough. You got to make these types of calls. How many people are my, or am I going to move over into the demolitions industry? So all of this means that it's not great news for President Pooh. His consolidation of power has left him with all of the vulnerabilities attached to one-man rule. He's the one in charge at a time when many Chinese, particularly younger generations, are experiencing the first prolonged economic slowdown of their lifetimes. Hmm, this is a problem for Pooh. A Pooh problem in China. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna come to it because you got all of these young people that have never lived through anything like this. I mean, not like their grandparents, where you know, like Mao starved millions of them to death, right? No, they haven't. They like they've been living under this quasi commie capitalist system for for their whole lives, and now they're getting a true taste of of full blown communism, right? Because that's where Pooh has taken them down to full communism, and so. Things are not looking not looking great. This is the problem with these command control economies. They don't adapt well. Unlike in Uptown Charlotte, where we've got a whole bunch of you know empty buildings, we're not blowing up our buildings. Okay, that's not going to happen. Although we do have some ideas. I have some ideas. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Seattle introduced a mandatory $5 fee on delivery, food delivery apps to cover the driver's living wage and sales uh, have been cut in half. <laughs> I mean, if only somebody could have predicted such an outcome. It's amazing. It's the, the problem with command control type economies. All right, let's head over to the Charlotte Observer. Offices in Charlotte's uptown are still not filled with employees like they were before the pandemic, but vacant cubicles are becoming more common in nearly every corner of Charlotte. Okay, so it's not just an uptown problem. I think the last time we went over some of these numbers, it, what was it? Something like, um, like there are two, like if you were to take all of the vacant uh, office space in Center City and and just pack it all into one building, um, it would be like two B of A towers. 
That's how many offices are, are vacant citywide. The lingering effects of the COVID pandemic, plus employees working from home and companies taking up less space, all contribute to widening office space vacancies. That, according to data from CoStar Group, a provider of information for property markets, out of an inventory of a little bit more than 136 million square feet of office space in the Charlotte metro area, the Observer reports that uh, about 14% is vacant. That means 19 million square feet is available to rent or buy that according to chuck mcshane who is the director of market analytics at costar the office vacancy rate for the charlotte region had increased from the first quarter of 2020 so the beginning of the pandemic right first quarter 2020 office vacancy was 6.8 percent and uh it then went up to 12.3% last year, but now it's even higher, which is the concern uh, that I have and others have expressed that this is not stopping anytime soon. The lowest vacancy rates, where are they? South Charlotte. That's down at about 7% vacancy. Then you got the Midtown area, that's about 8.5% vacancy. Matthews, is about 9%. The worst, it's actually up in the university area. Yeah, 26% vacancy. Now, there's a reason for that, the Observer points out in this piece by Chase Jordan, uh, and it's a it's, it's a important point. But if you look at the uh, 45 Ballantyne area, South Charlotte area, that rate is like 25% vacancy, Ballantyne. Plaza Midwood and the Noda area, it's about 20%. The vacancy rates for the airport, it's about 19. Uptown, about 18.5% vacancy. So those are the numbers. And as you might imagine, the uh, older the offices are, the more vacant they tend to be. People prefer to have uh, fancy schmancy new uh, offices that, you know, have internet, that kind of thing. Maybe some Wi-Fi. Uh, maybe some fiber, you know, run to the building too, stuff like that. They want, yeah, they want Class A office. Okay, so uptown buildings constructed before 1990, those things are like one out of three are still vacant. So if you're getting something after the 90s, it, yeah, most people are looking at that stuff built after 1990. Um, but it tells me like there are some deals to be had, and maybe I'm, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Um, Maybe this is some place that we can turn into bathrooms. I'll explain in a minute. I, I, look, you know me, I am all about solutions, right? That's what we do here every single day for three hours. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of my jam, right? We solve the world's problems. So we've got a problem of all this empty office space. People aren't coming back uh, into the office. Uh, and so, okay. Uh, we got, uh, what was it, uh, 14 million square feet of this stuff. And I say, uh, look, we also have this problem, according to the uh, city council meeting last night, uh, that we got all uh, of uh, these people that are peeing and pooping everywhere in Center City. They just, because, and apparently, according to one of the city council members, this is due to the fact that there are not enough restrooms. So, I say, we open up... Um, 
uh, the buildings that have all the empty space. I mean, don't right. We just make them sort of public bathrooms, not the offices, the elevators. Obviously, right. No, and the stairwells. Right. You pee and you poo in the stairwells, right? And then you then you shoot up or something in the office space up above. Duh. I mean, come on. You're not going to pee and poo everywhere where you're going to be engaging in your recreational activity. Come on. The university area is actually the region's highest office vacancy rate. Inventory is a little bit older there, according to the Charlotte Observer. And a lot of it was based around a call center and back office operations, uh, or call centers, I should say. Um, and those type of businesses were heading towards remote work even before the pandemic. And then there is Centene. The St. Louis-based health insurance company stunned the region and canceled its $1 billion plan to bring 3,200 jobs to the university area for its, uh, its East Coast headquarters. And that dealt a substantial blow to the area's office vacancy rate. Real estate firm Cushman and Wakefield is still trying to find a buyer or tenants for the 800,000 square foot office building at University City Research Park. Dorm rooms, people. You're in the university area already, turn them into dorm rooms. I know, sometimes the ideas, they just flow. I Yeah, I can't help it. Hello, Pete, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. My Great name, by the way. Very yes, good. Sir. My suggestion yeah. is to take and put the homeless up there and then charge the state. Now, Ooh. if the city doesn't want to do that, why don't they put the vets up there and charge the state? At least the buildings would be full and the city would make money because the state's paying for it. So I don't know if the state would be willing to pay for it. Um, oh, but you know what? A whole bunch of non-government organizations, Mike, the NGOs, the ones that are bringing in all of the um, the undocumented, unauthorized, illegal aliens, that, like those NGOs, they're getting billions. Yes, the, the beautiful people definitely pay for that. Right. So maybe they can maybe they could use some of their grant money to to host these people. And look, we heard this story. What was, I forget what city it was. Uh, it was a sanctuary city. But remember, they they were like tossing kids out of the rec center. Right. They were like kicking people out. They were like a homeless shelter. They were kicking people out in order to make room for uh, the uh, the unauthorized immigrants. Um and so maybe, like, I don't know, which we could take either group. Like, I don't, yeah, I, maybe take the ones who have been kicked out or maybe take the the unauthorized. That's I don't know. That's true. You, you could always do that. And you could feed them with all the garbage that the restaurants throw away. Oh, see, that's brilliant, Pete. Brilliant. There are no bad ideas under the cone of creativity here. Uh, I like it. So you could, and this is the thing. If, here's, if we could get all of the uh, empty offices in center city to just go to one building so we could have one tower right this way all the food could just be brought to that one place right all the leftover food at the end of the shift change and all that stuff all of it just goes to one place one building and then well we're gonna have to find a way to get it up to all of the different floors because the elevators and stairwells are going to be filled with pee and poo so we're gonna have to work on that but i like the idea thank you pete it's a great idea this is what we do it's a service. I'm a giver. What can I say? Quote, no one is funding new offices right now, said McShane, 
from the CoStar uh, organization. What is CoStar again? Yeah, dude, it's called uh, CoStar. Uh, he is the director of market analytics at CoStar Group, a provider of information for property markets. Um, says no one is funding new offices right now. Banks are not underwriting loans. Uh, to build new offices because there's so much uncertainty about how we're going to use offices in the future. With less construction, older offices will eventually get filled, but it's going to take time with results coming five to ten years from now. Terry says um, in an email to Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. By the way, I do not click links. Terry did not send me a link, but... If you are sending me something and you say, oh, you need to click this link, I can tell you with 100% certainty what is not going to happen, okay? And that's me clicking that link. I don't do it. It's how I stay clean. So, um, how many illegals could be housed? You would need some portable showers, though. I don't know. I, I don't know, like, what office buildings are we talking about? Some of these office buildings, they're probably pretty nice. They've got plumbing on every floor, right? They've got to have plumbing on every floor. So, you know, they're going to have bathrooms. I mean, they're just, you just turn them all into dorm rooms. You know, and, and just like, you know, in the, the high-rise dorm that I went to at college, um, you know, there were certain floors you know, that had a bit of a reputation. And you didn't go to those floors. I may have lived on that floor, but it doesn't matter. Like, that's not the point. The point here is that, uh, you know, you, you have a place where everybody can uh, can sleep. Because that is apparently what the big focus is. Uh, it's all on this housing-first approach, which, by the way, is not really the best way to go about solving the homeless problem, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that's where uh, these organizations uh, get the funding. That's where their incentives lie, is in this housing-first approach. The housing first approach is to say we got to get everybody off the street and get them into housing. And so we got to build more, quote, affordable housing, right? Ignore the fact that we are also importing millions of people, right? Which is obviously going to put pressure on the demand side of the equation. Now you're having more and more people coming in and they're demanding a, a, a supply. Uh, that is not keeping up with the demand, which then, of course, raises the, the pricing on the, uh, on the housing. So you got that problem going on. They're not able to build it fast enough for all the people that are coming in. But also, uh, the people who uh, who get into the housing, uh, if they don't change the behaviors and choices that put them into the positions that they were in, that led them to live on the street, then they end up back out on the street. And so, like, that's the, this is the challenge. You've, you've got, and there's no easy answer here. And the success rate is not very high. Here's a message from B on Twitter. It's a Pete tweet. Pete, one thing not being talked about in the conversation on office space vacancy rates is the current asking cost to lease the office space available in Charlotte. The dollar amount is insane. And in no way is it affordable for the small businesses that are desiring office space. Yeah. I think at some point that that has to come down, right? That's like usually the market response that the prices will start dropping. So maybe, but we shall see. Um, there's also a story at Axios.com. 
that the return to office wars are over and the 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 bosses who want everybody back did not win just six out of 158 ceos in america said they will prioritize bringing workers back to the office full-time in 2024 six out of 158 um hybrid work has become the norm for knowledge workers let's head over to the phone lines here and get tom on hello tom welcome to the program how are you I'm doing well, Pete. Thanks. Listen, sure. just a, a little bit about the blood crisis that we're having. You know, American Red Cross is an NGO that's handing out $5,000 for each person that swims across the river. Maybe they should pay us more than $40 to give our blood, or maybe they should require the immigrants to give blood since they're getting $5,000. Hmm. I, I like also, it. Well, I like it. Well, I mean, look, and even in like uh, even in like the Medicare plans, you're responsible for like the first four pints of your own blood. I think so. I mean, that's the way it was like 25 years ago when I studied for my uh, life and health insurance. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Although I've never actually been paid for my blood. I've sold my platelets. Well, they give you a gift card. They're saying now for forty dollars. Uh, it seems a little cheap when yeah. they could get that from the immigrants. Also. Are they, are they keeping track of the guys that swim over, get their $5,000, swim back, and then come back a couple of days later, making um, you know, $5,000 every few days? Right. That's a good question. I think the answer uh, is shut up, you racist uh, xenophobe. <laughs> I think that is the answer. Tom, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Let me jump over here and get Jim on the program as well. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. Just, uh, last two weeks, I read a story that, uh, I couldn't believe when I first saw it. The tallest office building in the United States is now proposed for Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Mm. Uh, I drove across Oklahoma my first time this past summer, and there were places on the horizon where you, you literally, all you see is grain. Mm. And I'm thinking, the tallest office building in the United States in Oklahoma City, but the, one of the interesting things I read about it over half of it's proposed for residents. Hmm. A, a, a minor part of it's actually proposed for office. So I I couldn't quite understand what I was reading, but that's, that's, that's what I read just in the last two weeks. Yeah, that's and they a, had and by the way by the way they had a magnitude five earthquake in Oklahoma last week. I think it was. <laughs> Yikes! So uh, yeah, well, just make sure that that building's got enough sway. You know, it's got enough leeway so it can sway back and forth in a trembler like that. Yikes! Uh, that's interesting. I did not. I did not know that. You're going to be able to see that building from like. Well, I was, was going to say Kansas. But let's be fair. I mean, if you're in Kansas, you could see anything on the horizon, right? Okay, so I need to pick a, a different state, right? I don't know. Is Oklahoma flat? I think I feel like it's flat. I feel like it's kind of flat, not as flat as Kansas, obviously. But again, as a as an American, it's my birthright to not know any geography, so or another language. Okay. <laughs> 